0: Welcome once again, you creeps, to another episode, another installment, another journey into the macabre. this is cat dead details later i'm josh that's cole and uh today we're going to spoil the witch the 2015 movie written and directed by robert eggers this movie follows a story of a puritanical family what's up i
1: was just uh, whenever you do the, the introduction of like the names like i'm josh and then you pass it over I feel like I'm always hesitant to reply, yeah. but the, and it, it's it's simply due to the fact that I have a one-syllable name, <laughs> <laughs> but mixed with I'm sounds very much just like I might be mumbling the word uncle. Uncle.
0: Um, uncle. <laughs> oh, exactly. There, there's no way I can, unless I make it really slow and really... Do I am? <laughs> that is no
1: less autistic. <laughs> Well, if we if,
0: if we if we were trying to be less autistic, this is not the way to do it. Uh, full disclosure to anybody listening, uh, we are definitely on the spectrum in some capacity. Anyway, this movie, The Witch, uh, is a period piece uh, set in the 1630s in New England, uh, which is in America for you plebs. Uh, it follows the story of a puritanical family who is cast out... Of their uh, plantation settlement. <laughs> Sorry, let's just. Uh, I'm gonna get
1: the giggles out yeah, 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 right. of yeah. plantation settlement. Sorry, you know I'm just gonna I'll scroll this that's until right. I'm ready to chime in. I'll be
0: Great. Uh, over, <clears throat> they're cast out of their religious. Uh, well, that's not the way I wanted to say that. They're cast out of their puritanical, nope, follows a story of a family cast out of their plantation settlement uh, over a religious dispute. They journey to the woods for some reason uh, to start a farm, and uh, we watch them descend into religious mania. While the, I guess you could say the dark spirit of the woods uh, overtakes their family and leads them down a path of despair. I think that's that about covers it.
1: Yeah, that's, that's in a general
0: cool. sort of broad strokes kind of way.
1: Yeah. Uh, second time for me mm-hmm. watching the movie really enjoyed it much more the second time hell yeah and i think for me it's this movie was definitely better viewed in a house as opposed to the theater you think so i i think so just huh maybe maybe i'm just uh linking it to the theater for no reason i just enjoyed it more the second
0: oh that's great i'm happy to hear it because yeah I, i recall watch we watched this in the theater together when it came out um and i like i loved it immediately um, I love the tone that they set. Uh, I lo- the acting is incredible. The dialogue is, like, ridiculous. Uh, yeah, like, I, everything about this movie had me fully immersed while I was in the theater. And I think a lot of that is because there are many parts of the movie that get really quiet. So when you're in the theater and you have that Dolby digital fucking crazy surround, you get every little nuance. Whereas watching it this time around, this is probably my third or fourth time seeing it, Um, even, even with those repeat viewings, there's a lot of stuff I missed this time just because it got so quiet. A lot of those
1: quiet scenes I thought were kind of cool when you're almost unable to hear them Mm -hmm. Uh, because the, I find very often those scenes were the two adults in the film Mm -hmm. discussing and you, you'd almost feel very much like the kids in the other room where you can kind of hear through the walls, but not really. Yeah. Uh, But yeah, I do think in the, in the theater, I'm sure you got a bit more of the. The full what's going on
0: yeah i guess yeah that makes a lot of sense because you're basically watching this from the point of view of thomason um this teenage daughter of the family um played by anya taylor joy uh, i think this was actually her first feature film uh debut oh holy uh, smokes she knocked it out of the goddamn park i'll tell you that much um yeah. go ahead
1: no just really good uh small cast every single role was performed well in my opinion mm-hmm. extremely impressed with the children actors cuz especially like yeah. the, the really young ones cuz i i guarantee at that age i couldn't have even comprehended the concept of acting and following those instructions
0: yeah and then they're they're delivering these lines uh, in a that are written in such an archaic version of english that like, i mean I, I have a hard time even just speaking the language as it is but trying with this jumbled up dost thou nonsense which is actually super beautiful and it's all of it's delivered fantastically um but yeah like props to those little children yeah.
1: <laughs> uh, the um the fellow who plays will
0: yeah ralph innocent innocent
1: okay i, I was going to butcher his last name
0: it might be einsen i don't know I, mean, I just assume it's innocent. Uh,
1: innocent sounds pretty cool. the The opening bit of the film, you just hear his voice before anything else. Oh yeah, his voice worked really well for the film.
0: So did his, his face.
1: Oh, everything like one thing like the the visuals, like the way in which they, whoever did the costume design, mm-hmm. and I guess just the general of the makeup and everything, just making these people look the way that they looked was incredibly well done.
0: Everything is miserable. Which it would be living in 1630s America, especially when you've been cast out of a settlement and you are now, you've come over from England with your young family and are now forced to live with just them and hopefully you can make it. The horror of that in itself is terrifying.
1: Yeah, just the the structure of the film, because they've got five kids?
0: Yeah, two twins, Baby Samuel, who's born on the farm, I think. Um, Caleb, uh, who's played by uh, Harvey Scrimshaw, which doesn't sound like a real name. Uh, And then Thomason. Yeah, I think he's supposed to be like 10 or 11, something like that. And then you add on to that the fact that everything in your life is... Infused with abject terror of going to hell because you are a Puritan, your puritanical Christian family where everything is about God and everything about your life is a sin, and unless you repent everything you do, you're going to hell. <sighs>
1: when they do set up their house, though, just wherever they are outside the woods, somewhere mm-hmm. that's far away from the nearest settlement. Yeah. It looks like an oddly kind of peaceful and nice, simple life, it, which in the woods aside and sure. uh, the events of the film, just the the general setting, like, you know, these guys don't have a nine to five yeah. or anything. You just, your, your only goal is to survive, which unfortunately in their situation is very difficult. Yeah. Having the children
0: and... It does uh, kind of family. look like the dream though. Like that's yeah. what we, that's what I know that's for me, that's what I want is to be able to go live in the woods or near the woods and just have a small little self-sufficient homestead mm-hmm. that would be incredible
1: yeah like in theory it's it's one of those things that's always sounded really nice in my head mm-hmm. and I think it is kind of cool that this film really touches up on so many of the struggles of that mm-hmm. mainly the, I'm pretty sure one of the biggest plot points is you kind of overhear the parents discussing how they're not going to have food over the winter
0: yeah yeah their crops are fucked they're not catching any food um, which is which <laughs> Uh, which is touched on really greatly towards the climax of the film between Thompson and William. Uh, but we'll get to that a little later.
1: The, uh, the other difficulties, too, like they did a really good job of portraying all the hardships of living in isolation, mm-hmm. especially for the kids, too, because Thompson's going through puberty. Figure that out. Uh, Caleb is clearly sexually frustrated because he's also around that age where the yeah only... he's starting
0: to like have a sexual awakening and the only people around him are his
1: family <laughs> yeah
0: well yes but specifically his cretan of a mother his demon of a of 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 the twin siblings and then Thomason who is really the only person who kind of shows him like compassion mm-hmm. and softness and is also a babe and you don't know what to do with that because you're an 11-year-old puritanical Christian boy in the woods.
1: Yep. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, I did like how they portrayed the kids' chemistry together. Like, Aside from all the horrible stuff because they are a very religious family and their life is very basic. Mm-hmm. But it was kind of cool to see how they portrayed them still being kids. And mm-hmm. the two youngest ones were... A little bit more playful their parents let them get away with it because they're younger mm. but there's that one scene where i can't remember the youngest children's names Oh um, mercy and jonas okay so i think it's mercy uh, is pretending to be a witch mm-hmm. before they even have evidence of there being a witch around but she's just pretending to ride her broomstick yeah and like, I actually got a, like an authentic chuckle.
0: Yeah, well, she's <laughs> she's like singing like a sing song thing, or she's doing a rhyme or something. But that when she starts going clickety clackety yeah. clickety clackety <laughs> like, yeah, I lost it, it. It
1: just makes sense. Like for mm. whatever reason, it works with what she's doing. Yeah. And yeah, I, I felt that they did a really good job of kind of capturing. Like, they felt like actual
0: kids. They felt like actual kids and actual family. Yeah. Because they the the different types of again. Uh, feel like this is gonna be the third or fourth time that we've really that we've already brought this up, but the tension, uh and the familial tension that you have with all of the different sort of almost like political things that are happening in their family and um I think Catherine is almost threatened by the fact that Thompson is becoming a woman and is no longer a child. And also in that time I think it's almost a bad thing to be a woman so the fact that she's now coming into womanhood and there is a certain amount of power that comes with that they're they're afraid of that
1: yeah I didn't really look into that too much when I was watching the film but yeah I can definitely see how uh, from like the mother's perspective that would be a really big deal mm-hmm. I noticed a lot more of the family aspects during this viewing right. that made the film a lot scarier
0: yeah Yeah, it's, again, it's not one of those jump scare. this is the kind of horror that I love. This is the, I definitely don't, don't, it is a bit of a slow burn, although it's not as slow a burn as I remember thinking, and I don't think it's as slow a burn as people make it out to be. I mean, within the first five minutes, there's a dead baby being used as ointment. Like, I don't know. Uh, Yeah, I guess. But things really slow down. Yeah, yeah, you're right, you're right. (laughs) Um. Just backtracking a little bit. We see... The family is having like a reasonably good time at the farm, it seems like. They're doing their chores, they're doing their things, but everything's relatively normal. Uh, And Thomason is out near the woods, playing with baby Samuel, uh, playing peekaboo, and then in the course of this, he just goes missing. He's just gone. Uh, Which is your first sort of inclination that things aren't right and i think one thing that they did just deliciously is when thomason notices he's gone and she like hears a noise in the woods and looks up and you just see like one strand of grass kind of waving in the wind as if something went by but there's nothing there that was horrifying
1: really well done Mm -hmm. and yeah it's, it's it's such a perfect subtle scare and then it transitions to a much more direct scene or, yeah you see the first
0: yeah you see darkly lit uh the baby just hanging out kind of making baby sounds and just a vague decrepit form of a woman doing some things
1: the the music in that whole sequence too mm-hmm. uh, th- throughout the entire film the background music was just so
0: eerie oh yeah so uh the score is done by this guy Mark Corvin uh who isn't really known for doing horror things but he used the Apprehension Engine. I'm not sure if you're familiar. Nope. Um, and I actually, I don't know if he made the Apprehension Engine, but uh, definitely look that up on YouTube, because it is it is the perfect thing to create horror scores. I'm actually just looking it up right now. Oh so yeah, so, sorry, Mark Corvin did make the Apprehension, made the Apprehension Engine, which is this insane box of strings and a box of strings doesn't make sense. There's like a weird little guitar necks, and it's madness. I can't really describe it, but go look it up because there are a ton of different sounds that you can make with this. And all of them are creepy. Cool. Yeah. I heard in an interview with Robert Eggers, uh, that, uh, or no, I read this. I read it in an article, but, um, when Corbin was tasked with making the soundtrack, he was like forbidden from using any electronics or any like synthesizers or anything like that. So it all had to be made from organic or like acoustic instruments. Um, so I don't recall if he made the apprehension engine specifically for this film, but that's why it was used because it's all acoustic, uh, natural sounds, I guess. And I think it really helps you stay in, stay immersed in the setting with the sounds of just the sounds are so much more organic
1: i think they did a really good job of keeping you immersed in the sense of almost everything felt very organic well i
0: think robert eggers is like the most detail-oriented writer slash director um at least in the horror genre that i've seen in a long time um all of the costumes were made of Of materials of the time. So they were all linen or wool or uh, hemp based things. Um, All of the buildings were made by uh, like actual craftsmen and thatchers and stuff like that. So all of everything is accurate. All of the lighting is natural. Um, All the indoor lighting is done by candle. So it's all very accurate. And I, I that lent, all the lighting lends itself so well to just being unsettling the entire time. All of the shots of the woods, when you see, when you're looking through the trees and it's it's so dim, oh,
1: oh, I loved it. it made I loved the it. color palette super bleak too. Mm-hmm. It's just shades of brown and gray. Yeah,
0: until you see blood. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. Oh, and, and you'll see blood. oh you'll see it. Speaking of the woods, though they did such a good job of making it seem uh, almost welcoming but at the same time anytime characters would actually be in the woods mm-hmm. i would immediately change my mind oh like, yeah oh no i actually want to get out of here they're terribly confusing it's just a maze of trees there appears to be no sort of path or way in which to tell what direction you're coming from or going yeah it's just a mess it's like a web of trees
0: well you can really understand why not just that people believed in witches and those sorts of like creatures at that time. It wasn't so much a matter of belief. And I, I think I heard this in an Eggers interview as well. But it wasn't about the fact that they believed in those things. It was just that those things were. Because it wasn't a matter of belief. Because when you're out there, the woods have a way of making you... Understand that there are forces there that you can't contend with, and the mystery of the woods is just
1: all around you. Yeah, you probably wouldn't get a lot of volunteers. No, going in there to prove them wrong. No, uh, you know I'm good. Um, we'll stick with the with the uh, with the witch theory. Yeah, <laughs> safely from the comfort of our homes outside. I mean, look at the look at those trees. There's clearly <laughs> look, look a look wood,
0: the woods. Yeah. <laughs> so after Samuel goes missing. Catherine, the mother, is inconsolable and just weeping and wailing and just causing a ruckus. A kind of quiet ruckus, but an unending mourning. Which I guess is understandable. You just lost your baby boy, but I mean, you got four other kids. Like, what's the the
1: problem? Four of the five ain't bad? (laughs)
0: Yeah, that's a pretty good count on, on my end.
1: For me, the tension between the parents was definitely the scariest thing in the film for, for, for the most part and it's just because i felt very much i i don't know how to describe it. it's the feeling of being a friend of one of these kids that was invited over and then you're you're just awkwardly in these people's house yeah as a viewer while they're fighting and going back and forth about very serious deep personal family issues mm-hmm. And you can't drive a car yet because you're a kid, but you really just want to leave. Yeah, and Just get like, it yeah, I gotta go. Yeah. <laughs>
0: you don't want to interrupt them to ask them to call your parents, no, but
1: you're just trying to be as quiet as possible and out of sight. And yeah. maybe they'll forget that you're there. But it was Will and Catherine. Just they did such a good job of making those two seem like they, they were trying really hard to make things work. But trying to hold on. Always a point of contention. Mm-hmm. And every time there's a. Another film where they, they paste the, the small pockets of joy really well, so like you, know, you get a few smiles, maybe a small laugh out of one of them, and then another kid dies yeah. or you know something goes wrong with the farm. Yeah. And it, it, the whole film is just uh, you're talking about earlier, it's, it's a slow burn, but it's not as slow as I remembered it being either, mm-hmm. it, and it really kind of picks up pace. As the film goes, and I find it's almost split right down the middle with the second half of the film. Being Things just different. keep ramping up. Yeah. You don't go very long without something else just
0: going wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, speaking of the familial tension, I think for me, the most stressful tension moments were between Thomason and Catherine. Just because constantly... Thomason is blamed for things throughout the film that are not her fault at all but Catherine refuses to hear it and definitely like that brings me back to being a kid and say you're hanging out with a friend or whatever something goes wrong and you get blamed for it and and you need to protest your innocence but your parents are just like no I'm not hearing it go to your room kind of thing like obviously it's a little softer in that in that instance but having people not believe you is is horrible.
1: It, yeah, it, it's weird because it. it uh, I don't know how to describe it yet. They they just did a really good job of making the relationships between each of these people perfectly uncomfortable, mm-hmm. and they still are trying to love each other like a family, but it's just it's not it's not working. Not gonna and, happen, and it shouldn't. Like you know, every, everything just looks terrible here. It's mm. not a happy life.
0: Let's just let call it quits and get out of here. They can't because William, as the father, of the man of the house. His pride won't let him call it quits, and that's the whole reason that they were banished from their colony. Is that it was a question of pride, and he stubbornly, th- basically, at the beginning of the film, you're told that he considers himself like the uh, the paragon of Christianity, and it was it was all their fault, and they weren't being good enough Christians therefore as a good christian and as better than them he would take his family and leave and submit to their banishment kind of thing and then you just see that over and over again throughout the film that like yes he's going to be able to take care of it he's the he's the one he, because of his devotion to god and christ i guess so um after samuel's taken will takes Caleb about hunting uh, to check traps and even though the kids are not supposed to go into the woods um, he takes him without Catherine knowing uh, and they have some like father son bonding time and while they're walking he's having Caleb recite some kind of prayer or something I'm not really well versed in the actual tenets of Christianity or anything like that but he's basically testing his son on his knowledge of I think at that point they're talking about sin or like what is your purpose as a person or what do you need to be forgiven for or something to that effect. Anyway, Caleb is dutifully reciting these things and then starts asking his father about Samuel and whether he's going to hell because he hasn't been baptized and is now gone and won't be able to be baptized. I don't think they know for sure that he's dead at this point. I don't even know if they actually technically ever know for sure, but they at this I think they assume he's been taken by a wolf, mm-hmm. so he's he's gone. Uh, but just Caleb's abject terror at the prospect of not only his brother going to hell, but also him. Um, it just made it so, hmm, so powerfully clear that the fear of. God's wrath is just around them at all times and just this poor kid who is raised in this environment who has all these questions but he's being told not to question it and that's just his his biggest fear in that moment is that they won't be okay
1: and the only two people that are kind of supposed to be your teachers or Mm -hmm. mentors whatever you want to call them just both believe the exact same thing, yeah. so you, you don't get any other opinions.
0: There's no closure. There's, there's no nowhere to go. No,
1: and the other people that you can talk to are just as confused, if not more so, than you.
0: But you have to look to them uh, for guidance.
1: Uh, with Caleb too, like that kid. Uh, holy smokes! Great job of remembering his lines, and because uh, I think he had the most scenes as far as the children actors go with long sequences of dialogue yeah and yeah wow holy smokes just back to uh, just cause like the you'd have to see the movie to understand like how different the speech patterns are
0: yeah but i couldn't I, do an impression of them I, I, yeah
1: I and mean, i don't you know I, I i can't help but feel like i'd be stumbling every fifth word mhm well we also are not actors of, of so course, there yeah, is so that, that But, you know, I mean, like it's uh, with this kid's age, you know, he clearly can't have more than 10 years of experience under his belt. Yeah, 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 you're right. Well done.
0: Uh, So uh, while they're out hunting, um, Will confesses to Caleb that he uh, bought the hunting equipment by selling Catherine's silver cup. And then later that night, Catherine notices that it's gone and blames Thomason. And so this is just going back to the, when I was saying that she gets blamed for everything, this is the, one of the first examples of, and of course it's understandable that Catherine doesn't trust her considering she was the last one with the baby that is now gone. Um, we as a viewer understand that it's not her fault, but it, her, Catherine's mistrust is understandable. Um, but Thomas in adamantly denies doing anything wrong. Catherine won't, won't hear it. Uh, and so you just like this the, the tension between the two of them is it just constantly builds and builds and builds, um, starting with kind of this scene, uh, and then William doesn't do anything to rectify the situation. No. He's just <laughs> like let it go. Don't worry, don't, like don't worry about the cup.
1: Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, it's like her father's cup, but I, I can't remember if they went to further detail about why it was so important.
0: I think him. it's just important because. It's like the only thing other than her family that they have from England.
1: Yeah, and I guess she does express that she really doesn't like their new lifestyle. Which, fair enough. I mean, you'd be trying so hard to just support your family, but just biting your tongue, like, oh man, I want to get out of here. Yeah, so bad. So this place sucks. And honestly, even
0: if they built their homestead like five hundred meters further away from the woods, I think it would have been a little bit easier to take. But they're right on the
1: edge there. I don't know. I feel like that would be almost be creepier than just like seeing the woods off in the distance. Like you're going to bed, and I would much rather that. I guess, I guess so. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it, yeah, it, it is a little bit too, especially after the uh, the baby incident. I mean, it's a lot easier said than done to move your house back. But yeah, I don't know how to really segue into this. But there's a scene. I, I guess it's about halfway into the film where Thomason and Caleb go into the woods by themselves. Yeah, this is
0: the next morning, actually. Um, so, yeah, we yes. are about halfway. Um, and then Thomason notices um, Caleb trying to sneak out.
1: Yeah, I, I find like that's really the tipping point for the movie. Because it seems like they're having some pretty good sibling time. Mm-hmm. And I can't remember exactly what happens if like the horse takes because sorry thomason's on a horse yeah caleb is not and i think the horse gets spooked by something
0: so what happens is they come across a hare, and caleb try like i think what you notice with him is that this whole time he's trying his hardest to become a man and so having gone out with his father and gaining a bit more uh confidence um He assumed, like, his impetus for leaving this morning is to go and check the traps and try and provide for the family. And while he's out there, he actually, they do find things in the traps. They're finally finding food. Because at this point, uh, their hunting has been unsuccessful. Their crops are dying. They, nothing is going right at the farm. So here's a bright little moment of, like, oh, shit, we're finding food. Um, And then they see a hare. So he tries to get the musket going and then fowler the dog that's with them takes off after the hare. then caleb takes off after fowler Mm. and then the horse starts freaking out and dumps thomason knocking her unconscious i think one of my favorite parts of this is it's it's like super sad but caleb trying to whistle with (laughs) his fingers under his tongue uh trying like my heart breaks for this kid because he's just trying to do the right thing. He loses his dog, he loses his sister. He's out all alone and he's just desperately trying to whistle just <laughs> cuz like I I mean I can't do that whistle, but it's a manly whistle. Yeah, so it's another can, it's another thing it in the line of like him trying to be the guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like he's feeling. seen his dad
1: do it and he's mm-hmm. like, "All right, let's give this a give it a go." And yeah, yeah I I've like we were discussing earlier, I've never been able to Successfully do that whistle myself. Mm-hmm. I I don't understand how it works. I don't get the physics. Uh, so yeah, I don't, I think I don't think my
0: tongue's long enough or something. I don't know.
1: <laughs> so you need you need a longer tongue. <laughs> but yeah, you definitely get a sense of dread just watching him alone in the woods and realizing that he's lost now. Mm-hmm. Uh, and but William ends up finding Thomason mm-hmm. near the the forest edge, uh, and we get the transition to the film's sexiest scene. Where Kilda uh, ends up, you know, finding a, a very nice, respectful-looking uh, young woman.
0: I will pause you yep. just there. Uh, just before that, he stumbles upon the, um, the like, eviscerated corpse of his dog. Oh, <laughs> yes. <laughs> He's afraid and alone in the woods, and then finds the disemboweled body of Fowler. And then...
1: Yeah, these are really kind of, don't, I feel guilty going back into this <laughs> after that um, but it gets
0: better yeah so
1: this woman's almost got like a mature red, little red riding hood image to her and hell yeah there, there's a scene earlier in the film just to rewind a little bit where Caleb is kind of trying to glance down Thomason's shirt it would seem uh, I mean we've all been there <laughs> <laughs> Sure. <laughs> <laughs> we've, we've all tried glancing
0: down. and rested on. Hey, she was nineteen, man. Oh God, <laughs> I'm sorry. Anyways,
1: uh, so yeah, this woman is a very, uh, very appealing looking to like this this young kid. She's a
0: buxom babe.
1: Yeah, and uh, seduces him inward, which is one of the creepiest scenes in the film because that's another moment with the the background music is just building this slow steady dread and he goes in for a kiss eventually like she lures him in
0: yeah well with a rocking set of cans like that like, I don't know how you <laughs> look mean, away uh, you finally have another option hey this isn't my sister and she's hot <laughs> like let's get it it was,
1: it was a scene where I was having a hard time not overthinking about the actor's job like all right, Stacy, uh, you ready? Yeah. You know, like, what's my role? All right, so we, uh, we need you to kiss this kid. <laughs> whoa, 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 hold up. There's nothing illegal. No, no, no. There's nothing illegal about it.
0: Just um, don't touch that dick.
1: But even... <laughs> Dude, he just looks so uncomfortable, but he, he's slowly going in for it. Uh, and then just... That very old, like, twisted hand yeah. kind of works behind his head, and then it cuts to black.
0: Yeah, I think at this point, too, like, they get the kiss going, but it looks like the witch is, like, latched on to... We can see that this is a witch, because she's clearly pretending to be sexy, and then when she grabs with the gnarled hand, like, bites down on his lips. I don't know what she's doing there, <laughs> but I don't think it's anything good.
1: Yeah. Gross. Yeah, I can't, okay. <laughs> I, I can't I, I'm just, I'm so focused on this. Yeah, sorry, I can't remember like what really the... Yeah, I don't know what happens after that. Or... Okay,
0: so it cuts to black. Now we're back on the farm. Thomson's home. She's distraught because obviously now she's gone towards the woods with two of her brothers, both of whom are now gone. Um, Again, neither of them are really her fault. Uh, but she's being blamed for them. And honestly... I can totally understand where Catherine is coming from she's in a place that she doesn't want to be two of her children are now missing um, she has the backdrop of all of the religious nonsense um, kind of clouding her judgment um, like I totally get where she's coming from in this scene because she I think at this point she's um, I'm pretty sure in this scene she's taking Thomas into task for all of the things that have happened. And Thomason just keeps saying like it's not her fault. Um, And then I think actually there's a bit of a resolution here. We get a moment. Oh! William admits to taking the cup. Now that we have a moment of tenderness between Thomason and Catherine towards the end of the night they're, they're finally sort of making up and then Thomason goes out to do some chores.
1: I'm starting to Forgot about your brother
0: already. <laughs> uh, and out there, it's raining. She sees the naked, disoriented. Um, what's the word I'm thinking of? Disoriented, uh, dis, dis. Uh, you know the one. It's uh duh. Anyway, she finds her brother. <laughs> Delirious. Ah. Uh. Delirious. He's delirious, guys. He's he's out of his wits. Anyway, they get him inside. Caleb's home.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like the, this whole bit of the film here is kind of like a daze for me because like the the series of events that follow that. I think for me, are the most tense in the movie because mm-hmm. I guess that they usher Caleb upstairs because he he's very clearly unhealthy.
0: Yeah, he seems but, ill. So they get him up in the top of the floor of the house and uh, he's on a bedroll or something.
1: And uh, I, I don't know how much there is between the scene. Uh, like, once they short, eventually the entire family's up there around him. And I mm-hmm. guess that they're all kind of coming to the conclusion that the best option is to pray for him. Right. Uh, and he starts getting very sickly and heaving and choking. And I didn't see exactly what... Cause them to notice it, but Will ends up prying something out of his throat, and it, it, it's it's a full apple.
0: It's a bloody apple. It
1: rolls out into the floor, and that hurt my throat. Holy yeah. smokes! Yeah, yeah. let us get that out of there, sport.
0: Uh, so at this point, I can't recall if we already said that they started to pray. During this, is we start to see things are like breaking down and getting really. Man, i have a hard time thinking of words. It's, uh, you know, when things are, uh, the action's getting high. Frantic. Okay, things are getting frantic. And, uh, Mercy and Jonas are accusing Thomason of being a witch. And Thomason's saying, no, I'm not a witch. And then, the, uh, uh, Catherine and William are saying, like, shut the fuck up. Let's, <laughs> let's pray. Uh, uh, Caleb is doing his, uh. His we he's saying a bunch of weird religious mumbo jumbo, and it's, it's building to a head. And then uh, the two twins say that they can't remember how to pray. They can't remember the words, and then they start. They fall down like sick, which is sick. <laughs> <laughs> uh, which is kind of dope because both of them have the most punchable fucking faces. I sorry. Um. Anyway, family starts praying again. They they ignore the twins for a little while, and uh, then it's just Thomas and, and William and Catherine around <clears throat> around Caleb. It seems that their prayers are working, and all of a sudden he gets real gay for Jesus. Did you notice? Did you find that? Did you find that his last sort of hurrah of of things he just well, it's got not like,
1: going to be how I phrased it. Well, he got he got
0: hella gay for Jesus, dude. Did me? <laughs> sure. <laughs> <laughs> I have in my notes here, Caleb hella gave for Jesus.
1: Yeah. <laughs> uh, I don't know, he, he got unusually happy. He did it. Like th- th- That was kind of what I was talking about earlier, though, with just, I was super impressed with that whole bit. Mm-hmm. Of, uh, knocked it out of the park, he crushed that whole little dialogue on his way out. And yeah, yeah, he just spews out a lot of very religious... Stuff where he just. With pure joy. Yeah, sounds like he's trying to make his peace and then just falls down, and uh, they find out very quickly that he is indeed dead. Yeah. And at that point, the movie just got so much worse, and it's, you know, everything's already Well, bad. I mean, the movie's good, but things but,
0: it, for the characters get worse. Yes, yeah.
1: it's the way in which. I, I can't remember exactly what Thomason does to incentivize it. I hope that's the right word I'm using here uh but Catherine just snaps at her mm-hmm. and it's just so violent and scary and very understandably getting out of the house uh
0: Thomason does.
1: Thomason yeah. does. And then William kind of chases her out. Right. They have a little bit of a clash and he ends up just completely his his mental state just disintegrates.
0: Well this is like at this point He's just trying everything to question her and, and make certain that she's not a witch. Because he's like, I didn't raise no fucking witch. And then Thomason comes back at him and is like, You can't hunt. You can't farm. You can't do shit. Your two sons are dead. And just like brings up all of his failures, which totally fly in the face of the pride that he carries in himself and in his abilities, which he obviously doesn't have because he can't hunt his farm sucks he's he's ruined his family's life basically
1: Yeah, they, they have like a real uh you got served quality <laughs> yeah. front end of the scene. And, uh, and he's just
0: like shut up
1: well i, I like that he's, shut up. The, the best he's got is basically just the uh, the old school police officer approach like you know if you're a cop you gotta tell me like you're not a witch right <laughs> <laughs> and yeah that, that really does push him over the edge and then the, the, I think that there's a scene shortly after that where they go back home and he's just completely fed up with everything, but he grabs one of the youngest children. Oh, yeah. And that's kind of the point where you're like, oh, okay, this this guy's done.
0: Right, because they're unresponsive after falling down ill mm-hmm. when they couldn't remember how to pray. He basically goes up to them and is like, stop fucking around, like, wake up. And they're both totally out. And then he grabs the one of them. I think it might be Jonas. And like holds him in like an Undertaker choke slam position, <laughs> and then the kids wake up. So I don't know if they were actually fooling the whole time or not. I don't trust them. Those kids suck.
1: No, it's it's hard to tell because certainly the entire film, obviously, you know, there's more to, more than meets the eye. Yeah, and uh, especially with once again more backpedaling here, Mercy uh, continuously discusses with Thomason about conversing with the family goat. Yeah, Black, Black Phillip. By the end of the film, you know, you start questioning, like, oh, maybe, maybe, maybe this kid had some, you know, fuel, something to back up her behavior.
0: I do like how throughout the majority of the film, everything is very ambiguous. You can't really tell what is real and what isn't.
1: Yeah, they save everything for that that, that final punch. Anyways, it, this whole shabacle results with Will violently throwing the children into the, the goat pen. Yeah. And then he just starts hammering planks of wood to, like, bar them in.
0: Yeah. Because he's convinced at this point that all of his children children have, like, made a covenant with the devil.
1: hmm Yeah, it's just super... <laughs> Man, what a wacky day. Um, <laughs> and I think that they actually end up somehow managing to get a night of sleep after that.
0: I think they start I don't recall if they get a full night's sleep or if they're wakened in the middle of the night
1: well, well he is it seems like it's, it's daybreak okay when he ends up stumbling out so uh, over the course of the night we don't exactly get full disclosure on what happens but they're trapped in the pen with this goat that uh, you know that the kids have already been you're getting a pretty pretty bad vibe from this goat I'm getting a pretty good vibe <laughs> um, he's dope but William ends up stumbling out of the house in the morning. Oh, hey guys, I'm better now. I, I, I guess maybe I was laying it on a little bit thick last night, and the pen is just destroyed. The two youngest children are missing. Okay, so Sorry, I, I'm going of, to backtrack
0: yeah. a little. Backtrack a little bit here. Yeah. So during the night, they see the form of something like sucking on a goat. It looks like an old woman, potentially. And then the kids are all like, what the fuck? And then we see her turn to the camera and just laugh, which was startling. Then William wakes up, comes out, the goat pen is all destroyed, and Thompson is alone.
1: There we go. Yeah, And she she's disheveled and yeah. kind of thrown out the door. And as soon as he realizes this, he immediately gets gored Hell yeah. by Black Philip, who just comes in from... And then, you know... Black Philip backs up, and he's getting his trot on. Uh, William goes to grab an axe, and doesn't even have the energy to swing it, because mm-hmm. he ends up dropping it and uh, getting headbutt into the the lumber pile. Yeah. Which I, I think that's that kills him, it seems to be. Yeah.
0: At that point, he's toast. He, it, man, he was toast. damn good at splitting wood, though. Oh, yeah. That's, we get to see him split wood a few times, and that's not a euphemism. He's actually out there splitting wood, and... Mm-hmm. He looked good doing it. Yeah. He are really getting
1: his anger out in those, Hell yeah. those pieces of timber.
0: And to be honest, it is one of the most cathartic things you can do as a man. It's just split wood. I fucking love splitting wood.
1: It, nothing makes me feel more masculine than that feeling of uh, getting the axe stuck in the top of the wood as I just continuously <laughs> hammer it back down. And after the eighth chop, I managed to, yeah, that's right. Yeah, totally. Right, dude make sure you call your friends over before that last one like yeah just one and done (laughs) that's how i take care of it
0: it always takes a couple chops to really get the the go and then once you get the mojo going then you can start splitting them in one hit that's what i find
1: babe that scene following his death Catherine also rushes out
0: of the house does her hair change color oh fuck we didn't even talk about her dream kind of Go for it. <laughs> oh, yeah. Okay, I'll do that. Uh, so Catherine has this dream of... This is after <laughs> Caleb's death. Um, I think that Caleb visits her and um, tells her that he brought a book. Um, and I think she's given a choice between like signing the book or like having Samuel back or something. In any case, she starts breastfeeding Samuel and... Um, and is just overjoyed. And then, we, we at this point, oh, this dream is happening while the things in the goat pen are happening at, the, at night. So then we come back to see that while she thought she was breastfeeding Samuel, her breast is being pecked at by a raven, and she's laughing. And that is one of the most unsettling scenes uh, in any film I've ever seen. Just the the way the score accompanies it, the the lighting of the thing, the scene because it's just coming from candles. Dreadful,
1: yeah. I didn't didn't like that one bit, and it's. Yeah. It, I mean, I guess, you know, I'm sure the the witchcraft has a lot to do with it, but I'm just like like who who let this guy in the house? And it's which guy? the The raven.
0: <laughs> oh yeah, so that was probably the devil. Yeah,
1: exactly. It's a, it just yeah, it's such a gross visual and. I think that like kind of ends up transitioning into a scene where she's in bed, mm. and you can just see like the blood, yeah, through her shirt,
0: right? Yeah,
1: and, and yeah, her face is so horrifying, and the the whole thing is just yeah, like that. That's such a disturbing visual, like the the laughter and everything. I I also have no idea how they shot that scene.
0: Uh, we can. Uh, what do you mean?
1: It it just looked very um. I'm gonna go bold and say that it wasn't done practically, like yeah, they actually got a real
0: raven at just what might surprise you is that not only did they get a real raven but they did it in one take. huh, isn't that crazy
1: that that is
0: out of all of the animals that are in the film? The raven was the best actor out of out of of them all it did I'm not surprised it well, yeah, they're pretty smart. The Corvid family is my favorite family of birds, but we can get into that another time, um. But I'd also like to take this time to note that Kate Dickey, who plays Catherine, um, you'll probably recognize her from such films as not a film at all, Game of Thrones. She plays Lysa Aaron. Uh, She's got... She is a fantastic actor. Actress, however you prefer. But she is so perfectly suited to be an unhinged crazy woman yeah i i she just has that face and she's so perfectly suited for those roles
1: well it's interesting because i saw her for the, for the first time today before we watched the movie i watched an interview hmm. and yeah she seems wonderful she's so delightful oh and yeah cheery and she is so good at portraying someone who is just completely off the deep end yeah she's got a formula it works yeah big Um, bravo to that yeah so yeah did a very good job of making me feel incredibly uncomfortable just with her eyes Mm
0: -hmm.
1: on that note the eventual scene or final scene with her and Thomason. yeah you know she walks out of the house morning after the whole ordeal with the raven and she now sees her husband dead her last children missing aside from the one that she gets along with the least yeah and they end up getting to like, a physical confrontation. Which, that this is, like, the point in the film where you're really starting to think of, you know, like... Trying or not, these guys... They're, they're really not great parents.
0: No. <laughs> just...
1: You know, this is... None of this number, is a good situation.
0: All of it is terrible.
1: But yeah, I think it results in, like, she's trying to choke Thomas into death.
0: Yeah, I think... So, they get into a physical altercation. Catherine is blaming Thomason for everything, which honestly, is totally understandable considering she seems to be around when anything goes wrong. She's got real like Charlie Brown syndrome. So she's attacking her. Um, I think it's just like in the heat of the moment. She starts just verbally harassing her and then it just builds and builds and then she starts physically attacking her. Gets her on the ground and is choking her. Thomason hits her once with a rock or something?
1: I think it's a little knife of sorts. Because she ends up cutting her face.
0: Right. Uh, right. Oh, and then she drops it, and then mom's in choke mode.
1: Um. Yeah, but like when she starts going for the the choke, and like it looks like she's actually uh, attempting to extinguish her life. Thomason grabs the knife again and just starts hacking at her face. Mm-hmm. Which is I, a
0: like how her I like. I like how they watch. shot that too, where she, there was no like perfect angle. You don't actually see the knife go in or anything. She's just weakly like with. Last ditch kind of strength attacking from the side, and it's enough to get her off.
1: Yeah, and you, you just see like the blood trickling down, which was really well done. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, and then she kind of does her little cathartic moseying of the house. Mm-hmm. Takes a load off. It's been a been a hard day.
0: Yeah, she takes off her dress and leaves her shift on, uh, which is like an underdress mm. for those who don't know fashion. <laughs> uh takes a seat at uh a table and proceeds to like fall asleep because so, yeah,
1: the next scene appears to be quite late at night mm-hmm.
0: the witching hour
1: ah yes but of course i don't know how it oh, okay you wanna... so uh
0: while in while she when she wakes up Uh, I think that Black Phillip's in there with her. I'm a little foggy on this because I was actually taking notes as we were watching this, but... Oh, she calls on Black Phillip to talk with her because she hasn't heard a voice from him at all. She doesn't even know if he actually was speaking to her siblings. But at this point, she's kind of starting to accept that reality. And just as she's about to give up hope, she hears a whispered man's voice. And I believe that Blackville then uh, transforms into the form of a man. You don't really see it fully. He's just always kind of behind Thomason and whispering to her and asking if thou would like to leave deliciously. She signs her name. Oh, yeah. She's like, I don't know how to write my name because he offers her a book. Mm. He's basically offering her power if she'll just sign her name. She doesn't know how. And he's like, I will guide your hand. And that uh, was pretty fucking rad.
1: Pretty cool. Yeah. Sounds pretty appealing.
0: It sounds good to me. I I have nothing to lose. My family's dead. And they didn't like me anyway. And I'm alone on this farm. So, uh...
1: I'll see what you got.
0: Yeah, I don't really like corn that much. <laughs> uh, so she signs her name. And, uh... I think she starts to hear the sound... A bunch of sounds coming from the woods.
1: Yeah, it's it's pretty... Harsh transition, but... Because she ends up strolling naked.
0: Black Phillip tells her to take off her shift. Hell yeah. Also, hell no. I think at this point she's supposed to be under 18, so... That's not cool, Satan. Oh, Hold up! (laughs) (laughs) In any case, she gets naked as hell and then starts uh, walking off into the woods, as I think you just said. We're, We're just about at the end scene of the film here. She comes across this coven of witches chanting and doing weird contortions around a bonfire and the first few times I'd seen this if it had just cut to black as soon as you see her approach the fire uh, the witches are doing their ceremony the camera pans back to Thomason's face if it had just cut to black right there perfect ending in my opinion
1: I'm still on that train of thought myself.
0: That said, this time around, because what actually happens is uh, the witches, the music is swelling. And again, it's that really high stress, high pitch noise. Um, The witches all start levitating. Camera pans back to Thomason and she starts kind of like exultantly laughing, seeming like she finally found a place where she can be herself. Uh, which I think is thematically something in the movie where she finally, like, accepts her power as a woman or something to that effect. She then, you see that she's also levitating. And, yeah, to me, it just would have been such a more powerful and satisfying ending if we had cut before seeing any of that actual magic happening. hmm
1: Yeah, and that's, that was uh, when we first left the theater. Mm-hmm. It's you know it's the last thing you see so I was overly critical on that. Right. I definitely didn't mind that ending as much this time around. It's fine. Mm-hmm. I, I I just do. I would have preferred had it ended about ten to fifteen seconds earlier. Exactly.
0: It would have made it almost perfect.
1: And I think it's just because the rest of the film felt so organic mm-hmm. that that
0: so organic, natural, um, uh, accurate, and to ambiguous. The time. Yeah. yeah. Ambiguity is huge.
1: Yeah, and I, I I suppose you could argue that the Black Phillip scene near the end is where that breaks, but you don't really see anything, and mm-hmm. it could be left uh, to assume that that's all in her head. Yeah, whereas the final shot's a little bit more direct.
0: Exactly. But yeah.
1: Overall, good. A good slow burn with a nice subtle sense of dread. That's nice a good, good summation.
0: Tone. Yeah, I'm, I, it's it's beautiful. Um, I love the setting. Um, once we start talking about The Lighthouse, which is the follow-up to this film that Robert Eggers did. I imagine we'll talk about it down the road, because technically I'd consider that a horror movie, and it's fucking rad, so we'll get there. But, um, yeah, he and the, the fact that this is his directorial debut for a feature film, debut, uh, he just fucking nailed it. And we'll probably talk about that with Ari Aster as well. A guy who comes out with his feature film debut and just absolutely destroys. It's it's so good. Um, I think one thing that I found funny about Robert Eggers is that he doesn't really like horror movies. Interesting. Yeah.
1: Just wanted to get it over with. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah, It's it's a trend that I'm starting to notice with some of my favorite films. The directors and writers of those films don't actually really like horror as a genre but yet they're somehow able to just absolutely knock it out of the they just park. channel
1: their hate into the yeah, I don't know, man. project.
0: Yeah, I I one funny thing that I found is that uh Ralph uh, Innocent was sent to the emergency room several times throughout filming because of Black Phillip. Ch- the goat's name is actually Charlie. But app- yeah, apparently huh. he's got sent to the emergency room a few times. That goat didn't like him. And I guess, I mean, the scenes where he does interact with the goat, he's fighting the goat. (laughs) I thought I told you never to come (laughs) back here. Um, Oh, it was also, uh, due to budgetary things, it was shot in northern Ontario. um, Not uh, New Hampshire, where it was set. Hmm. Um, So I guess they had to find a a forest system that had trees that matched the setting that they were using. Um, so they had to go very far afield and they ended up in a super remote location, which actually worked really well for the actors in the film. I mean, it sucked for the crew, apparently, but the actors were able to really like get in the mindset of being isolated. Um, so that was, I think that really helped. Worked for me. <laughs> um. So, hmm. What do I want to give this? I'm going to go ahead and give this 85, that's a good unit of measure. I'll just play with teeth sound clip again. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to give this 85 big black goats out of 100 big black goats. Uh, I- I'm
1: personally going
0: to give it a 70. Teeth.
1: Out of 100. 100.
0: Well, you're wrong. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know, man. I, I always come back to this one. I love the setting. I love just getting myself into the dark woods, you know. Yeah. Uh, but to each his own. We're yeah, not, not going to agree sure. on everything. Yeah, we uh, we still have an email address. So uh, 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 cddlpod at gmail.com is where you can send us corrections, movies we should review. Whatever, man. Do you want to get in touch and just tell us how your day is going? Feel free. Might not read it, but just get in touch. Uh, We also have an Instagram that will eventually have things on it. At cddlpod. Yeah, and keep it creepy. I've been Josh. Oh, shoot. let see we get.